And I would kindly ask Dr. Martin Stopford to come. Uh, I'd like to uh, say a special thank you to him for uh, <coughs> honoring us with his presence and uh, contribution every year. And Martin has come with us to Athens, to Cyprus, to Singapore. So thank you for your friendship and support. We are gratified and honored to have you here with us every year. Thank you. Well, thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's always a, a real pleasure to be. This is an interesting time. You know, the autumn, you come back from our holidays, you're wondering where the market's going. And um, it's always wonderful if you can come along with a really positive, invigorating message about the future of the markets. Needless to say, I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I took a look at it. I mean, I don't do quite so many markets... Um, sort of blow-by-blow blow market forecasts as a, or analyses as I used to. Um, but, uh, and so it's, I, th I found that's quite good. I come back to the market after two or three months and you have a look at it. And it, of course, you know, I've been doing this slot for a few years and it's, you look back at what you were saying, say, two years ago, I think I was pretty sure we were past the trough. It, it was so bad that it had to be the trough, you know. I mean, uh, and, um, so, and I think there was a good punt that things would get better. But um, now we have a more complicated situation. And <clears throat> what I'm going to do in the, 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 the few minutes I've got this morning is, first of all, I'm going to give you a quick preview of what I'm going to say so that... Um, if I, because I haven't had quite time to sort of get my slides down to a manageable number, so I might sort of miss the last one, you know. <laughs> um, so I'll give you an overview at the beginning, and then um, a look at the uh, quick canter through the market cycle by sector. I, I don't really intend to cover everything properly because you have so many people, when I've sat through these sessions, you have people who really are right in the nitty-gritty of the markets, and you'll have a lot of detailed stuff today. So all I want to do is just give you a quick sort of, you know, sort of top-down look at where the different sectors are. Um, something that's been, I, I mean, I would say as I wander around the world, sulfur never goes away. I mean, it it's really bothers everybody. I think people just, you know, nobody's quite sure what is the right thing to do, and the sort of do-nothing seems to have been the default strategy, I think. Um, uh, but I have a few thoughts about, I think the issue in my mind is who actually is going to pay for, if you do go for um, compliant fuels, which is pretty well what the market's doing by default at the moment. I mean, out of 60,000 cargo ships, there's about 1,000 fitted scrubbers. So we're into, you know, at this stage, we're into compliant fuels, like it or not. And so then I think the next thing to think about is who's going to pay for the compliant fuels. So I've got a word or two about that. Um, secondhand prices, uh, of course, ship demand, sanctions and tariffs. Nicholas asked me to say something about sanctions and tariffs. And in fact, we're at a very interesting um, uh, seminar at CAS yesterday with the two hotshot economists from the States who won the, um, the Anassis Prize this year for sort of reworking um, Ricardo's theory of comparative advantage. And in fact, after this, we're going back to continue that discussion and relate it to what Mr. Trump's up to, which would be quite interesting. See what their multidimensional model says. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a model where you can have as many various, you know, tens of thousands of variables if you want. Um, the supply side of the market, I 
It's not a very good story, and I'll, um, I'll tell you that. It's, I'm a bit disappointed there. And um, finish off with a rough look at the supply-demand uh, analysis if I actually get there. So that's, that's the agenda. Um, the overview... Um, I think we we did pass the trough of this recession a couple of years ago. We've been getting better. The problem is I've found it very difficult running through the numbers to really see enough enough momentum to take us, to carry us on a wave out of the cycle, as perhaps we've seen once or twice before. It's not unfamiliar territory for the shipping market, you know, and I think shipping market backed up by fairly cheap credits and... Um, none of the nasty things we have foreclosures to quite the same extent we saw in the 80s. And so, so let me just quickly run through these. The Clarksy index is now about $12,000 a day. The, the really bad level is 9500 It very rarely has gone down below 9500 for more than a week or two. So I think we're in positive territory and with the sort of cost structure of ships as they are today, um, this is not famine. It's, it's not terribly generous, but it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. Um, the world business cycle, as far as I can see, it's sort of the... I always follow the industrial cycle. It's, the last three or four months, it's started to edge over the top. So the, I run, do running 12-month averages, and that average has started to come down. I'll show you the graph in a minute, which suggests, I think, that we're, we're on the move... Um, We've, the best we had last year, really. Trade, same sort of story. It grew 4.2% in 2007. Looks like in this year it's going to be 3%. Good growth um, on a trend basis, not bad growth at all, but not. We, we need really to get into a good market. We need a bit more than that, is my feeling. Um, and asset values are sluggish. The new buildings are up a bit, but I, the, the, the new building brokers tell me it's mostly steel costs and things, that it's not real genuine asset price inflation in that sense. The China imports are still growing quite well, but there's something up there. Um, I'll come back to that later. There's, uh, um, but the, you know, there are signals, I think, which... Well, I won't come back to it later. We haven't... When the China boom started in the early 2000s, we started to buy Chinese customs statistics, which were pretty good and very detailed. In, since February, we haven't had any data at all from China on customs statistics. And in my experience, you know, it's just like when the shipyards stop publishing prices, you know there's something funny going on, you know? <laughs> I.e. they're probably discounting behind the scenes and all that sort of thing. So um, there you go. The... Shipyard order book edged up a little bit. 10% is not a disaster, but it's more than the 9.5% we had a few, you know, six months ago. Bulkers, more bulkers in the, in the order book. Um, deliveries have slipped 20% to, from 100 million deadweight to 80 million deadweight. At the peak, it was 160, so we're down, but the peak was ludicrous. Um, 100 was pretty rich. 80 is not as good as 60. I would say that's the way it goes. And there's tankers, there's bulkers in there. Um, fleet growth in 2018, about 2.6%, and the trade's growing at 3%, and we got about 20% surplus hidden away. I'm going to finish off with something about that surplus because the surplus is not quite the same surplus we've had in the past. 
And then the bottom line, I think we're at risk of getting stuck in a rut. It doesn't have to happen, but it's looking a bit sluggish. That's, uh, that, that, that's the bottom line. So that's the sort of pitch. Let me quickly run you through the slides, and you'll forgive me for um, doing it quite quickly, because we have a wonderful, there's an enormous slide, um, screen here telling me how many minutes I got left. Which, no, no, please, I, I, I'll do it in 12 minutes and 6 seconds, uh, Nicholas. <laughs> um, well, anyway, here's the Clarkson Index. Looks a bit like the 90s. The 90s, it wasn't destitution, but it was boring, you know. It went up a bit, it was down a bit. You had a dry bulk boom in 1995, and it lasted the summer, and that was it, you know. And then we had a tanker boom in 97, and that lasted the summer as well. So um, here we are wandering along. Um, the, <clears throat> the tankers are actually 16% below. If you take the last 12 months as an average of um, the last seven years, then the tankers are 16% below trend, the bulkers are 15% above trend. Like all averages, this depends what the base is. The bulkers have had a pretty miserable last seven years. The tankers had a nice boom a couple of years in 2015. So that pushed their average up, and it means that they're looking worse than they are. In fact, the two are sort of level pegging a little bit, I would say, at the moment. Uh, containers, you know, close on balance, um, that's in the charter market. Gas is really taking a hit after quite a good run. Offshore, that's LPG, of course. Um, offshore's still down. Chemicals, sort of, you never quite, they're a little bit under trend. I'm not sure how significant that is, but... Um, and the, here's the tankers, which had a nice um, boom in 2015. I couldn't quite figure out why this happened, because we had on paper about 20% surplus in the tanker market. I think it was arbitrage on bunkers. I'll show you the slide later. But fundamentally, because um, you know, I say to Paddy Rogers, how do you do this when there's a great surplus? And he said, what surplus? You know, well... I mean, I, but that was just Paddy's, Paddy's, he's not here, is he? No, <laughs> hi Paddy. <laughs> um, but you see that, I, and, I, and I think now that um, the market has, you know, sort of bounced back in the opposite direction, I think that convinces me that it was more an arbitrage on a very big cycle in the bunker market, because a lot of this stuff's traded in world scale. And there wasn't a boom in world scale rate, basically. There was a boom in the earnings. Um, the, uh, the bulkers, it's not been a good spell, and they are a bit, there's a bit more money around than there was. The average um, is up, for three-month average, is up to $11,600 a day, which is not bad. And it's better than the tankers, which are pretty poor at the moment. The um, containers about $8,000 a day, it's not really, you know, it's, it's not done much. Um, the, uh, the gas had a good spell, which, you know, the market deserved. It's, that's bounced down again, but it, it always has, LPG always has been a very volatile market. Um, the question of the bunkers and who pays for them and this um, boom in tankers, I thought was worth making because... Um, you know, people agonised over compliant fuel or not compliant fuel. And 
Um, I guess the big worry in everyone's mind is they're going to get stiffed on the cost of this stuff when we get to 20, January 2020, there'll be shortages. And I mean, leaving aside you know, the, the problems of loading compliant fuel and what you get to, the, what happens when you get to the, uh, if, if you do non-compliant fuel because it's not available, and then you get to a port where compliance available on what you're supposed to do then. Um, the IMO is supposed to be issuing its um, guidelines in January. Um, it seems like uh, there's still lots of discussion going on there. Um, but uh, I think the first thing I would say is, you know, what, what's so different about 2021 in terms of the cost of your bunkers? I mean, look, this is the, this is the Rotterdam uh, 380 CST price for bunkers. And it goes up, and I mean, it has been very heroic. It was up at eight hundred dollars uh, in January eleven, and it's down at uh, then it was down to one hundred forty, one hundred fifty. And um, I think that um, the question that didn't really bother people because the charter pays. You know, that's that's the way the ship gets broke on world scale, and that includes your bunker cost. Um, is that going to be different for the sulphur? Um, well, the, the first point I just wanted to make on this um, arbitrage on the, the tankers was that um, this is VLCC spot earnings is the red line in $1,000 a day. The blue is the chart uh, you just saw on bunker prices. And that boom, it's, the, it's, it's this bit here. You know, this is... This is the, the tanker boom, and it exactly correlates with <coughs> the, um, uh, the, the collapse of bunker prices. And that makes me suspicious that the rise in earnings are due to the fact that, in fact, the market sort of carried on fixing at world scale rates and took a big arbitrage on the falling um, bunker prices. And uh, because as the bunker prices went up again, the markets came down. And if you, that, that, that's the bit there, I forgot to put that in. And if you look at the world scale, that's the world scale rate for uh, the major VLCC routes. And there isn't a big boom in there, really. So I think <clears throat> this, it's some food for thought about how that gets managed. Obviously, the charterer doesn't always pay. Sometimes the charterer actually gets on the wrong end of the deal. And so I think, uh, you know, as well as worrying about whether um, you, um, the, you, you know, you should have put in those big tin cans in your ship to uh, make it compliant, you, the other thing to think about is to talk to your broker about what is going to happen. And what, I don't know what the World Scale panel is going to do on the first of, when they do the January 2020 um, World Scale rate. Um, I suppose they'll do several rates, but maybe someone here knows the answer to that. I haven't researched it. I just wanted to leave that thought with you. I'm running a bit of short time, so I'm going to get on with it. Prices. Uh, oh. What's happened here? The market price of ships. I seem to have lost my slide. Basically, um, what the um, slide was saying was that the the prices have been pretty steady apart from the new buildings. And um, I would say um, 
you know, that stable are actually not so different from what they were 20 years ago. It's merely, say, if you take an Aframax tanker. Um, let me look at the demands. Oh. Hmm. I seem to be totally censored here. Are there anybody Chinese in the room? Um, okay, that was a bad, terrible joke. Um, they uh, don't. <laughs> I see trade winds, and they've got a Christ's sake, don't vote vote me on that. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think's happened here? Can you? Oh, okay, well, I'm glad it's them, not me. Because I was—I have to say—I was finishing these slides on the tube, and uh, it, uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, something nasty happens, you know. <laughs> but uh, on on the since I'm a little bit short of time, on the demand side, I'm going to show you the slide. If, if we do fix it, the slide of the world economy just it's slipping down a little bit. Seaborne trade was. Uh, you know, it was 4% last year, which was a good year, and it um, went to down this year, we're looking at about 3%. Uh, as far as the, um, oh, okay, we're in business, right, okay, we hope. Yeah, there we are. Um, so there's, I mean, it's the, basically the, the tankers did well in the little boom, so they are very market responsive. The bulkers did badly. The two are pretty well back in sync at the moment. And this is, an, to make it a bit more graphic, those were indices. This is uh, a, um, an Aframax on the right-hand side, a Panamax on the left-hand axis. And uh, today, you know, the, the interesting thing is these prices are very similar to the 90s. They're just sort of marking time. There's nothing wrong with these as, as asset prices. They're not a million <clears throat> miles from... Um, replacement cost in terms of new ships um, so they're not sort of like a balance sheet disaster but they um, the, and I guess you could say there's a bit of arbitrage in there which is quite nice for asset players but it's um, it's a pretty steady situation not pushing one way or the other just this sort of uh, you know we're just marking time um, world economy um, took, had a, we had a very nice run-up from hit along the last three years from 16. That's sort of turned down now. I think even <clears throat> I think probably my sense is that you can. It's very hard to disentangle trade effects. Um, these this sort of trade war that's going on um, because you've got price elasticity as well. Some things you really can't manage without, and people will trade them anyway. You've got some big things like the, the soya bean trade, etc. Um, but in a sense, these do tend to get a bit lost in the overall trading picture, which is so enormous. And the, the, the drivers tend to be the macro stuff in the world industrial production. And so really what I'm watching very closely in the next six months is whether this is heading down, and of course there's, a, you know, there's quite a lot of sentiment around saying, well, it's 10 years. What with Lehman Brothers' anniversary, it's 10 years since we've really had a um, a decent um, uh, uh, crisis, you know, which you've got to admit was a pretty good one. And so maybe there's something lurking out there. It's no more than supposition, but it's just they tend to turn up every seven to 10 years. And so I think at the moment. 
it's, it's, it's something to be a little bit cautious about in terms of leverage. And of course, there's the interest rate rise lurking in the background as well, which you know, I know we've been waiting for a bit of time, but um, that is another possible consequence of what's going on in the States uh, in, in a year or two. But I'm sure you will have others more qualified than me to talk about that, uh, the crises. Seaborne trade, about 3%. Nothing wrong with that, except that, tra that the fleet's growing about the same rate. Um, the um, dry bulk is doing a little bit better than tankers, which is, you know, on in this year, don't see an awful lot of growth on the tanker side, um, and a little bit, uh, you know, a couple of percent um, growth for the uh, bulkers. China is, um, uh, it's not been growing for the last five years, it's not been growing as well as you would expect, and it's still very, as perhaps what we're used to, it's still very um, uh, dominated by um, the, 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 the iron ore. It's, I mean, coal's gone down. In the last three years, coal's gone down a bit, iron ore's gone up. And um, in fact, one of the ones which is really quite revealing, I think, is the growth of China's exports. And I would have loved to have seen what's happened so far this year. This is uh, exports of containerizable commodities. It's not container cargo. It's commodities which the guys at Clarkson Research have been through every commodity in the Chinese exports and said which of these are containerizable. And they end up with about 1% to 2% uh, growth uh, since 2014, which, you know, put, given that this is the heroic trade of the container business, um, you know, forget Mr. Trump, this is something that's, this is a trend that's been going on for a bit. And... Um, I think it fits in with the whole, if you look at the whole macroeconomic scenario, this is what, um, what people are concerned about. And what Mr. Trump is, I guess, uh, concerned about is the fact that nearly everything we have at the moment is, comes from China. Or you look around your desk and everything came from China. It's all beautiful quality. And that's fine, but it's a little bit unbalanced, you know. I mean, I love the stuff they do, but um, it's... Um, you know, it's not healthy for a world economy for one country to make everything, you know. So you have, it's natural that you get um, a bounce back at some stage. Uh, on the supply side, um, as I say, we, we peaked in terms of deliveries in uh, 2010-11 at about 160 million tonnes dead weight. We went to a plateau where we were for about five years of 100. It's now come down to 80 I think if you, when I was here two years ago, I think the slide would probably have had us heading down for 60 at this stage. That is more comfortable. 80 still is really leaves the fleet growing and marking time in terms of underlying surplus. Um, demolition, pretty steady at about 35 million dead weight. So you've got 80 deliveries, 35 demolition, you know, so there's your fleet growth, and here it is, the fleet, fleet this is the fleet growth in, uh, in percent per annum on this axis, this is the fleet itself in tons on that axis, you know, it's, it's hovering around 3 to 4% at the moment, 
um, and the balance of supply-demand. I think one, in, a, in a forum like this, uh, I mean, where you are concerned with capital and asset values, a, very, a, a thing that's happened in the last 10 years is if you, this is the uh, one-year time charter rate for an Aframax tanker, and this is the cost of bunkers for that tanker at 14 and a half knots, roughly, okay? And I just use Rotterdam bunkers. Um, and, you know, until 2008, till the credit crisis, the bunkers cost far more than the ship. And so, you know, in terms of your two main ingredients in your shipping operation, the ship was a very expensive entity, uh, not, not just in terms of the boom we had, where it was a very expensive entity anyway, but also in relation to the cost of fuel. And to, for, for then we went into a spell where the bunkers were dramatically more expensive. We had a brief uh, change as the bunker prices fell in 1516, but we're now back where the ship is, is, cheap, is less valuable or is, costs less than... The, the, the fuel that you use to run it. And that affects the intensity with which you're going to use that ship. And so really, whereas, you know, for 50 years we published Clarkson Register with every ship, the, the only speed we show is the design speed. There was only one speed, and it went, you know, and generally you expected the ship to trade at that speed, say 15 and a half knots less the sea margin. Um, when you get into this situation, I'm not sure you can make that assumption because, you know, everybody's, you know, you just do the calculation and sometimes it's a lot better to go slower and you use your ship less intensively. Now, now, what has that done to the structure of your balance sheet and your company? You know, that's an, it, it leaves you with a question to think about. Um, at the moment, this is the situation in terms of surplus capacity. Um, the, this, this shows you the total gross surplus, which I calculate about 17%. What it means is the fleet's grown 17% more than uh, what I think is a realistic estimate of demand over the period since Lehman Brothers. And so we got this hidden. It's all hidden in slow steaming. We don't have layup this time. In the 80s, we had lots of layup, no layup now, because on the whole, the ships are at sea, but they're going slower, and of course, we can all track them. Um, the relationship here, of course, is, um, and I'm not going to go through this massively over time, but, um, you know, 20% speed reduction gives you a 50% fuel con uh, reduction in fuel consumption. Also, a 50% reduction in carbon emissions. Well, we've got 20%, um, gives you 50%. In, in April this year, IMO agreed that the industry was going to cut its carbon footprint relative to 2008 by 50% by 2050. Well, actually, if you reckon that the fleet was flat out in 2008, and today it's, you've got 17% tied up in slow steaming, then the, the deduction is that you've already made a big, big inroad into that 50% reduction. And if your speed slowed down a bit more, you would have made your, the, you know, shipping would have achieved its 2050 target tomorrow without worrying about anything else. And of course, not only is that 50% cutting your carbon footprint, it's cutting your sulfur emissions and your particulate matter emissions. Because instead of burning... 45 tons a day, you're burning 20 tons a day. 
or 22 tons a day. So, I mean, I think there's many ways to skin a cat, is what my old granny used to say. And I think this, in, when you look at carbon and emissions, maybe you know, slow steaming is not such a bad thing as it might look. And so that leaves us supply-demand analysis analysts saying, well, what is the surplus? You know, when I run my chart and I've got all that surplus capacity, is that really surplus? Or are all you, all the ship owners really adjusting their book to become compliant, to use less fuel, to optimise a fleet which trades perhaps at a much slower speed? You know, I mean, Musk began to, to, to design the triple E's for 24 knots, and by the time they've finished their trading, I believe they're probably trading about 17, is my recollection. So, and, and I think that is a, a, an, an indication of the way we're all having to change the way we look at the future. And I think it's, it's a terrific thing, because it means that shipping can actually, whereas on the, on the technical front, the naval architect can't help you, but the way you trade your fleets can help you a great deal. And that is, you know, the, the market may not be very good, but you, you can, you know, you can say, wake up in the morning and say, well, it's a lousy market, but le at least I'm helping the carbon footprint, you know? And so well, there you go. Um, that, uh, I think that's a good place to finish. Thank you very much. And I apologize. I don't <laughs>